0: and welcome back to yet another episode of the quadruple option podcast as always i am your host chris joined tonight by ryan good evening soon to be two-time father mr frank
1: gentlemen gentlemen what a week too
0: and last but not least mr nick miller
2: let's get it going boys
0: All right, guys, let's get it rolling. Busy week of football. We're going to dive back into our one word reviews for all the games this weekend and we're going to jump into a little more detail on what we thought were kind of the four key and important games from the weekend. So, same as last week, getting it started in chronological order. Thursday night football, Bengals 30, Browns 35. Nick, get us started
2: yeah this is uh for me this is this is uh an interesting game as in my one word would be eh as in eh, i don't really care outside of it being the two quarterbacks that's that's really all i got for that game unfortunately what do you think frank
1: here we go with nick's uh throwing out things that aren't really a word for his one word. Uh, My word is despair, which is in the dictionary in case you were curious. Uh, Despair is uh, what I think the state of Ohio feels after watching that game. Uh, I know as much as Troy Aikman and Joe Buck wanted to highlight how great Joe Burrow looked as he threw five yard outs. um, There's not a lot to take away from this game to be very excited about for either team. having Joe Burrow throw 61 times running for his life is not going to help him progress and become uh a top quarterback so despair is definitely the word chris wow okay
0: uh my word is going to be the opposite word so i'm going with positivity as my word so i think we have to argue about this one after the episode is over um yeah i mean joe burrow running for his life and throwing for 300 yards in like 37 attempts is not great, but I thought there were positives to take from Joe Burrow's performance. He was looking good under pressure because he's being pressured every play. So Spinzo and he's going to get really used to dealing with pass rush in the NFL because it's in his face every game. Um, and then I thought the uh, Cincinnati punching bags were really good to help uh, Baker Mayfield and Stefanski kind of get their offensive mojo back, really get back to that power run play action to the tight end game and really hopefully get their season rolling after just an absolute, you know, beat down last week by the Ravens. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? What do you see from this game?
3: Yeah, I always say I'm a big draft guy, so um, I love to check out Burrow whenever I can. I'm expecting big things from him. That's definitely not going to be his last 300-yard passing performance. I think he's got a pretty bright future out of him. But uh, my one word pertains more to the Browns. My word is yak, as in yards after catch. Um, Let me just throw this at you real quick. I'll keep it short and sweet. The only Cleveland receiver, you know, it's only 16 completions they had on Thursday, but the only Cleveland receiver to force a missed tackle was Odell Beckham, and he had two. That's a rate of about 12.5% between all their completions that game. Week one versus the Ravens, the only receiver with an avoided missed tackle was oh also Odell Beckham um an even lower percentage that week because they had more completions um but I guess when your brat when your running backs are going to average six and a half yards per carry it doesn't really matter as much but that's something I'm keeping my eye on um I know there were rumors of Odell floating around being traded I think those have been shot down now but um that's just something interesting I caught when I was perusing through PFF that's uh you know, we were kind of, they're going to need more help out there on the receiving core. It's just, uh, it's just a fact. Baker obviously can't do it alone. Um, he's going to need guys who can make things happen after the catch.
0: All right, our second one-word review game from this weekend, getting us started on the Sunday early slate, Giants 13, Nick Chicago Bears 17. Nick, they are your team. Get us rolling and tell us what your one word or sound or emoji review is from the game this weekend.
2: Hey, hey, hey. Ryan has the emojis, all right? And my word is in the dictionary. I sent I sent Frank a little picture. It's in there. It's a word, okay? But this word isn't in the dictionary, and my one word is Trubisky. Because outside of Trubisky, like, we shouldn't have won these last two games. He had about six quarters of really good football between the end of the third quarter to this Giants game where he's actually playing really, really well. In the stat stat sheet, you're going to see two interceptions. One of those was off a bad tip that Allen Robinson should have been able to knock down, and the second one, Allen Robinson caught, and then the corner took it away from Allen Robinson. So I can't really put those on Trubisky. Yes, they both probably could have been better balls in a little bit, but the receiver needs to be able to knock those away. Could have had another touchdown to – Anthony Miller in the end zone, beautiful, beautiful ball in the back of the, or on the left side of the end zone, right through his hands. Couldn't have been any better. Um, Trubisky needs his receivers to, to, to help him out a little bit. They went up 17-0, um, and then unfortunately just couldn't score in the second half. But Trubisky's playing really well right now. I mean, he's, he's not playing as a number two overall pick, but he's playing well. So we'll see where he goes from here.
1: Yeah, so uh, my, my word, words since we're playing this game this way is a double digits and uh, there's a hyphen in there, a line in there. So it's, so it's fine. Counts. Uh, That is double digits is the amount of rushing attempts that Chicago had. It's a whole new world. 32 rushing attempts. It's pretty impressive in my book from the Chicago bears considering last year it was a struggle to get them to 10. It felt like, you know, half of those carries going to David Montgomery Patterson getting seven is a little bit shocking. uh, But I think, you know, Montgomery leading the way. I think that's the way they're going to win this year, and that's their best shot at uh, moving forward. What about you, Chris?
0: So Nick actually said my word in, uh, in his little diatribe there. Uh, my word is left, as in Saquon Barkley uh, left with a severe knee injury, and uh, Mitch Trubisky has conquered his throwing to the left demons. I looked up his charting, and he threw more completions to the left than the right. So I think, uh, Nick, we can finally put that horrible, awful narrative to bed. I just appreciate that. I think Mitch Trubisky is starting to look like at least a halfway average quarterback. Uh, it's good to see. It's fun to watch.
2: Absolutely. And then talking about throwing to the left, his touchdown to Darno Mooney, which, by the way, I'm very excited to see where Mooney goes. He broke out of the pocket, had to create some time, and actually threw to the left to the get to the end zone for a touchdown. Really, really well extending the play. But yes, he can throw left. I hate that fucking narrative.
3: Well, Frank, we've seen it. We've now seen what five seasons, or is it just four? I don't know off the top of my head, of Bears fans convincing themselves that he's the man. After every off season, they tell themselves he is not the man. It happens every year. I talk to Nick every year, and he's like, okay, it's done. It's done. Foles is the – you know, we, we, gotta, we got an answer next year. We're going to have to do something. And then two games in, it's like he, he can throw to the left. It's over. We, we got this now. He's our guy. Just something interesting to you know watch every year, probably next year, too. My word pertains more to the Giants. Um, it's actually words again. My word's going to be blame game. Do we need to blame the Giants' offensive line, or do we need to blame Daniel Jones? Probably both, honestly. Um, Giants have invested in the offensive line. They drafted Will Hernandez in 2018. Andrew Thomas, four overall this year, and really to no avail. Um, Thomas and Hernandez led the team in pressures allowed this, this week. Neither are grading well on the season so far. But I will also bring up that regardless that, you know, Daniel Jones is being swamped with pressures. And last year, I think he led the league in percentage of passes, dropbacks being pressured. He still is top 10 in percentage of his dropbacks holding the ball two and a half seconds or more in the league. So somehow he gets pressured more than anyone else and manages to hang on to the ball longer than anyone else. So, again, I ask you, really, whose fault is it? Is it, Is it the offensive line or is it Daniel Jones Like I said really the answer is probably both but it's it's nothing but a blame game out there in New York.
2: Ryan actually thinking about that because you're talking about blame game your favorite head coach of all time Jason Garrett is now the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Was that something you saw in Dak Prescott the last few years of holding on to the ball as part of his system or is that more just what Daniel Jones does because he did do it last year too. Jones I mean watching the game he does hold the ball but with Jason Garrett's system do you think it's Helps that, hurts that, you know what I mean? Where where does he kind of go with that?
3: Um, I don't don't know exactly what he does, but he tells him this is what you do. And, you know, if it's not open, then you probably look over to this guy. Like I said, he's not helping quarterbacks. He had Dak for several years. And really, has he improved Dak a lot over his first season, his second season? I wouldn't say he really has. I think Dak looks more or less the same with different weapons now. But at least he looked the same when Jason was there. I mean, yeah, I have lots of money on the Giants under, especially, you know, when I learned that Jason was going to be their, their offensive coordinator, that was an easy decision for me. He's he's not helping the quarterback
1: or the offense, honestly, at all. I would argue Jason Garrett doesn't have a system. Next question. All
0: right. Thank you, Frank. Next game, going from Jason Garrett's new team to Jason Garrett's old, poor, abused and battered team. Falcons 39, Cowboys 40. Ryan, I know you're going to have some stuff to say at the end, but this one... Definitely an interesting game. Let's uh, break this one down in a little bit more detail. Nick, why don't you get us
2: started? Uh, Well, I'm going to keep the trend going for Frank. I know how excited he gets by made-up words. So I'm going to go with WTF, man. What the fuck? That game was so up and down and all over the fucking place. Atlanta had that game in the bag, and they decided to pull a Super Bowl uh, loss and decided to give that game away. Uh, Let Dak Prescott go off for 450 yards. I mean, come on. You shouldn't be throwing that much on a defense that's supposed to be semi-good with a defensive coordinator as a head coach. Where where is the, the 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 Seattle defense that he was supposed to bring to Atlanta? It's been 4 years now and he hasn't done crap. Like what what's going on? What do you think, Frank?
1: So, uh, my word is breaks as in uh Atlanta loves to hit the breaks when they get a lead. Time and time again we've seen this happen where they jump out in front Uh, the passing game is working, everything's going smooth, they're making plays, they're moving the ball, they get up and they act like somebody who just wants to go home and they let a team back in by making some plays, can't possess the ball. At, At what point do we say that Dan Quinn needs to go? I feel like every year we have this conversation about how he just barely hangs on to his job. I came away from this game with more questions about the Falcons than more questions from the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys' resiliency and uh, coming back is pretty great. I think that's that's awesome. It's a wonderful story, but truth be told, they had no business coming back in that game. And I think even average team holds on to that lead, uh, maybe makes it close, but holds on to it. So uh, the letting off, the, you know, slamming on the brakes the way the Falcons do time and time again, year after year, just calls into question why they continue to keep Dan Quinn as a coach. Chris?
0: Yeah, um, my word for this game is going to be inexcusable. Uh, What Dan Quinn and that Falcons coaching staff allowed to happen at the end of that game is just a completely inexcusable coaching blunder at the college or junior college level, let alone at the NFL. This is the height, the pinnacle of football as a sport, and the complete defensive meltdown by, again, a defensive-minded head coach like Dan Quinn, again, heavy air quotes there, is just inexcusable and then it's all highlighted by that onside uh, recovery at the end of the game and that blame extends to the Falcons uh, hands team too these are professional athletes that have played football all their lives some of them are 30 year old men that have played football for 25 or more years and they just completely forgot how an onside kick works all the rules it's it's inexcusable top down Um, the Falcons have a ton of talent but that was just a masterclass in choking away a game and that just whole team needs to be completely turned over. Ryan, what do you think?
3: Yeah. So I was not able to watch most of the game. I had it on as I was working on Sunday. Um, cause I wanted to watch badly. Uh, I, I did look away for a lot, you know, once it got bad, I, I kind of stopped paying attention and then I looked over again. I'm like, Oh shit, we back in this thing. So, um, but yeah, no, my, my word, I think <clears throat> is going to be, I think this is one word. Not that this is freaking Um, matter. Cha-ching is my word. Um, Is it time to pay Dak? Dak is showing out. He proved he can keep up with high-scoring teams, Uh, at least with the weapons that he has. He proved he can do that. He doesn't necessarily show that he can do that with bare-bones team or or, or elevate receivers who have no business being there. You think Dak will be able to continue this success when he annually consumes 20% of the team's salary cap and, you know, eventually the weapons – the effectiveness of his
1: weapons decreases with that what so I'm always a fan of, of paying the quarterbacks I think I think they, they're worth it I think you know I, it, obviously it's risky business but I think there's a difference in paying Dak Prescott uh, compared to the teams that threw a bunch of money at Eli Manning, Ryan Tannehill, um, Andy Dalton, some of the, the, the non-game managers where I don't think Dak's a game manager I think Dak's winning you games I think Dak leading that offense is part of the reason why you won that game. Right. So I, I think you can control it. I think they've done the smart thing in adding Michael Gallup in the draft, adding uh CD lamb this year, trading for Amari Cooper. Yes. You have to pay these guys and eventually the money theoretically will catch up, but the the Cowboys have hit in a lot of different ways in the draft. And, and I think that's how you continue to, to be successful with a guy like Dak, even if you have to pay him right now for probably $40 million at, at a minimum. So, uh, I think that's okay. That's, that's my call.
0: All right, next game up on the docket, Lions 21, Packers 42. Took them to the absolute woodshed. Nick, what did you see from this game?
2: Um, I saw pretty much what I expected to see, and, and that's my one word of dominant uh, towards Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is doing nothing but showing everybody what he wants to do this year, and that Green Bay – um, offense and to be honest, their defense is doing really well too. But they, they were dominant. I mean, Aaron Jones alone had two hundred over two hundred and forty yards, or I'm sorry, over two hundred and twenty five yards himself. Um, it was just dominant, dominant offensive performance. Um, and right now, the way Green Bay is playing, I'm not sure who's really going to be able to stop them. So um, I really underrated that team going into this year. I thought they were going to fall apart. Um, and right now, they're 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 doing their thing. And unfortunately, Detroit's Detroit, starting off 0-2, so it's a normal year outside of it being 2020. What do you think, Frank? (laughs) So
1: my one word is laughter, and that is what Aaron Rodgers is doing to media, uh, other teams in the NFL who thought his demise was coming with the arrival of Jordan Love and all the, uh, or lack thereof, moves that came apart. This offense is firing on all cylinders. It's Rodgers, it's Adams, it's Jones, it's everybody. The Lions are an absolute train wreck, and I cannot wait to see Matt Patricia hit the door.
0: Frank, that's a, uh, a really good segue. My word for this game is fired. As in Matt Patricia's ass is going to be fired very soon. Uh, after their 0-2 start on the season, the Lions are now 9-24 and in his coaching tenure, uh, so he's, it's, he's done, man. Caveat being it's the Lions, and they're probably the worst at every single aspect of being a professional football team, from the front office to the coaching to the scouting to everything. So he may not get fired until the end of the season, uh, which might be too late. But I, I think he's a dead man walking unless something insanely dramatic happens, which it's the Lions and it's Matt Patricia and it's Matt Stafford. So it's not going to happen.
3: Yeah, so my word is going to be repeat, as in the Lions will be selecting in the top three again next year in the draft, just like they seem to always be doing. They have some pieces on offense. I like a couple pieces they have. I like Stafford, honestly, just as a quarterback in general. I'm um, Not necessarily as a franchise piece moving forward, but as, as a quarterback, I think he, he, he can get the job done. You like Hawkinson. You like Galladay. Like, I like Marvin Jones personally a little bit. I, I like a lot of pieces on that team, but they just don't have enough to keep up with the offenses in this league anymore. Um, and I got one quick little tidbit for you, Chris, to just kind of tell you how bad their defense is. You know, their defense is so bad the offense can't keep up. The Lions' highest graded player on coverage this week on the defense was Jelani Tavai your good old friend Mr. Fat Boy Jelani Tavai I should never see the field again highest highest coverage grade of the whole team this week
0: <laughs> yeah okay but like was he the highest as in he was like a 54 and everyone else was like a 52 or like did he actually have a good game
3: uh no yeah he, it was pretty low grade I think I think Akuta's grade was like 30 or something it was like insanely low. it was a bad I knew it. <laughs>
0: fat boy Jelani Tavai from our preview episode he did have one play where like he came out of nowhere and just like smoked someone from behind on like a deep play but that was after he let him run like 20 yards behind him and the safety like tripped him so
3: that's the old that's the old uh Blake Martinez trick let the guy catch the ball and get the the solo tackle get get voted to the pro bowl every year maybe he does have a future in the NFC North
0: Oh, man. All right. Going from uh, one pretty lopsided game to a pretty close game. Jacksonville Jaguars, 30. Tennessee Titans, 33. I thought this was a pretty interesting one. Nick, what did you think?
2: Yeah, this was a a pretty interesting game. To be honest, it was closer than I anticipated. I thought Tennessee would probably run away with this one by, by a touchdown at least. But my one word is the reason they didn't, and that's Minshew. I mean, Gardner Minshew is what's, what's driving this team. I think his aura, his leadership, just the energy that he brings is, is picking that team up um, to play really, really well. I mean, he threw 30 for 45 uh, for 339 yards, three touchdowns. He did have a couple picks, but, I mean, for a Jacksonville quarterback, that's pretty damn good. And, I mean, they were talking at the beginning of the year about getting him, getting a new quarterback at the, uh, with the draft. I don't know that you're going to need to with Minshew. Um, I, he's, I mean, his top receiver is DJ Chark. And then you got a guy named Keelan Cole who barely even played last year and couldn't do anything. So, I mean, you get this guy some weapons and he actually might be able to do something. I mean, his running back is a guy that none of us even heard of two weeks ago. So, I mean, we need to, he needs to get some pieces around him. And I think he could absolutely do something. Tell me I'm wrong, Frank.
1: So you're not wrong. Menchie lives strong, but, uh, my word is steady. And that is what the Tennessee Titans are. They are a steady force of running the ball and running play action. They are like that friend you play in Madden that you hate to play because they're going to run crossers on you. They're going to run slants. They're going to run play action. And then they're going to HB dive you with the strongest man in the game. And that's what Derek is. Shout out Henry to the is. Johnson brothers. Shout out to a lot of people. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where every week we, you you watch their game and you know Derrick Henry's coming up the middle and you know he's going to occasionally take a sweep. And you're like, I know it's coming, and we can't stop it, right? This week, hey, we stopped them. We only averaged 3.4 yards of carry. And in turn, Ryan Tannehill put up four touchdown passes on you because you just can't stop the play action. Chris?
0: Yeah, uh, my word for this game is going to be mystery. So, side note, uh, if you like mysteries, then do I have a division for you. The AFC South, no one knows who's going to win any day of the week. No one knows who's good any day of the week. It's the best mystery in sports. How hard could it be? The AFC South. But uh, on a slightly more serious note, although we're not a super serious podcast regardless, this one's a mystery to me because I don't know what to make of either of these teams. Are the Jaguars good? Because I don't know. Because I don't know if the Colts are good, and I don't know if the Titans are good. I put the fraud label on the Titans last week. I, I, there's just something about the Titans that doesn't make me think they're legit. Tannehill's playing really well to start the year. I'll admit that. But I just – something about them doesn't scream contender to me. So, I don't know if I, – I don't know. It's a mystery. I'm going to be really closely watching both of these teams next week um, to try to get a better answer. Hopefully, next week I'll have something more definitive to say. But this is just – both of these teams are a total mystery to me right now.
3: Ryan? Yeah, my one word for the Jags-Titans game is going to be franchise. As in uh, franchise QB, does either team – here have the franchise qb or do, or do they need to look for somewhere else in the free agency and the draft i know the jags were pretty much a shoe in and they were guaranteed and the bets were like very low odds like like they're not going to make much money on trevor lawrence for the jags at one overall right but out of the two teams so far this year i would say the jags are closer to their franchise qb than the titans are to theirs and unfortunately, the Titans have already paid their QB. So, Chris, I really want your opinion. Which team is set up for the most success, not only this year, maybe maybe this year, and then separately going
2: forward?
0: Uh I mean, this year it has to be the, the Titans. They just have more mature pieces on that roster. They have, you know – Harold Landry, they have good defenders, they have a decent group of pass catchers. Tannehill's a more veteran quarterback. So I think like right now, I think, you know, they can still probably be the favorites to repeat in the AFC South. Cause again, like it's AFC South, how hard could it really be? But I think long term it's probably the Jaguars. I'm a I put a lot of stock into future cap situation and paying Derrick Henry and paying Ryan Tannehill is just not, I think, a great ROI long-term. I mean, the Caps can escalate. So what really is Caps space, to be honest? But um, I would say long-term, I think the Jags just have a lot of young, talented, controllable pieces that are playing well now that I think are going to really hope develop and hopefully not be too good because I want the Colts to win the division. But, like, the Jaguars look, I think, better set up long-term.
3: If the Colts had the option to take Tannehill this year or Minshew this year, who would you take?
0: Uh, Tannehill, because I think what we do in India is similar to what the Titans do. I, I would rather have Tannehill 10 times out of 10 over Papa Phil. I just think he has a more lively arm, and we run a similar system that plays to Tannehill's strengths on either end. All right, and speaking of the Colts, uh, Vikings 11, Colts 28. This one put me in a good mood for the rest of the weekend. Nick, tell me why I should be in either a good mood or a bad mood. Looking forward to next week.
2: Yeah, Chris, this was an interesting game. Um, My word is going to be 11. Uh, Not only the Minnesota score, but the amount of passes that uh, good old Kirk Cousins could uh, actually complete. Um, They paid this man a lot of money in Minnesota to only throw and complete 11 passes and throw three picks. That's that's pretty bad. I mean... uh... It's. I'm glad Indy won. I didn't think Indy had a chance in this game. I thought Minnesota would be able to steamroll him with that offense and with that defense and Phillip Rivers' little noodle arm. But apparently Kirk Cousins wanted to come out and make sure that he could make Phillip Rivers look real, real good, and he did just that. So, uh, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot to say about this game. It was It was two teams apparently pity padding it out for me. <laughs> it wasn't too exciting. What do you think, Frank?
1: Yeah, so um, there's a couple choice words here, but I'm going to say award. And the award for uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year right now should go to Jonathan Taylor. I think with Marlon Mack going down, uh, Jonathan Taylor has a huge opportunity, both in the pass game and uh, obviously running to pick up that Offensive Rookie of the Year award. I know everybody was quick to point out uh, Edwards Hilaire after week one, but I think week two kind of showed. Maybe everything isn't sunshine and roses. However, I think India is going to focus on the run. I know Naeem Hines is there, and I know they want to get him more focused in the offense. However, I thought Jonathan Taylor looked pretty good coming in, and I'm I'm truly excited to see what happens. Chris?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, obviously I was pretty despondent in last week's episode. I was basically putting the entire season on the line for this one game, but I'm feeling a little bit better cautiously. I think the Vikings aren't that good, so I'm trying not to take too, too much stock out of this win. Um, but I'm cautiously uh, optimistic for the rest of the season going forward. My word is going to be dig or digs, uh, as in Stefan Diggs. The Vikings are really missing their top wide receiver from last year, who uh, we'll touch on here in the next game. But, yeah, his his talent is clearly missed by Kirk Cousins. And then I'm going to also say uh, dig, as in uh, the Vikings defense, and Kirk Cousins are having a brutal competition to see who can uh, dig the grave for this season faster. Uh, so it'll be uh, interesting to watch and see who buries them uh, more throughout the season. Maybe we'll keep a leaderboard going forward of why the Vikings lose every single week. Brian, what did you think about this one?
3: So this is one of the games I didn't get to watch much of, so I'm kind of just scrolling through PFF and kind of trying to take from there how everyone did. Um, I didn't need to go to PFF to see the Kirk Cousins play bad. That's kind of everywhere. Um, so my one word is going to be Shakespeare. To draft or not to draft, do the Vikings need to skip the Cousins era and grab a potential QB of the future? Honestly, at this point, I feel Cousins has a decent O-line. I mean, I think uh, the, they had Drew Samia. What the fuck that is blocking this week? But aside from that, you got, like, Riley Reef, You got to Brian O'Neill. You got Bradbury. Well, that's why I don't know him. Um, uh I think that they they have pieces there now they are missing digs I would give you that for sure Justin Jefferson I think is still a good piece he looked okay this week he three for three for 44 um and a decent PFF grade he seems like he's doing okay um but I think they are missing digs but yeah no I think I think the QB position needs to be seriously evaluated this offseason
0: Moving from Stefan Diggs' old team to Stefan Diggs' newest team, Bills 31, Miami Dolphins 28. Mr. Miller, why don't you get us started?
2: Yeah, for for me, this game was, I I expected Buffalo to win this game. Uh, For me, it goes to the other side of the ball, though. For my one word, it's going to be Tua. Um, I think it's time to start considering getting two out there and getting him some reps, Um, even if it's mixing him in and and letting him have a series here here or there. Um, I know they're still probably worried about the hip a little bit, even though they've come out and said that they feel like he's 100% and good to go health-wise. At this point, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't showing you anything that we already know. It's either magic or tragic, and mostly it's been nothing but tragic. So might as well get two out there. Let's see what he can do see what pieces around him fit well. That way they can go into the offseason knowing what they need to look for to make sure that he's as successful as possible. Um, But right now Miami's probably going to tread water and be lucky to hit five or six wins this year.
1: So jumping in there, uh, my word is skyrocket, which is Josh Allen's MVP uh, voice. I know I was pretty outspoken in the offseason talking about how overhyped Josh Allen was. What I will say is I think the stat line looks great. I think he had a couple big plays that – Uh, made you really impressed with what he was. But I'm also going to try and temper those expectations and remind people that he just beat up on the Jets and the Dolphins who have combined for no wins. So, you know, I want to see more. Obviously, there are some good things to take from. Obviously, Diggs looks pretty good in that offense. But uh, I'd like to temper the skyrocketing expectations of Josh Allen's arrival in the top five quarterbacks in the league right now.
0: Yeah, uh, real quick, Nick, I liked what you said a minute ago magic or tragic. I think you could even spin that out to uh, fits magic or fits tragic, depending on uh, who's under center each week. That might be a fun counter to keep an eye on going forward the rest of the season. My word for this game is going to be crisp. Uh, the addition of Stefan Diggs, uh, one of the league's best uh, and most efficient route runners, and a true bona fide number one wide receiver. Uh, has really made this entire offense, and specifically Josh Allen, look a lot uh, crisper and you know more polished so far this season. Um, Frank, as you said, and I 100% agree, it's the Jets and it's the Dolphins. Uh, we need to definitely temper expectations, but Josh Allen finished last year with like a 58.5% completion rating, and he's up to 70.4 so far this year. Um, so he's definitely playing against not Great competition, um, but he also played against those teams last year, and his completion percentage is way higher, and I think a lot of that is due to uh, Stefan Diggs and kind of what he brings to that offense. Dude's just got to learn to hang on to the freaking ball. The fumble's going to kill them against good teams here real soon.
3: I've always been a Josh Allen fan ever since he came out. I've rooted for him. Um, I still stand by him, but my one word for this week is going to directly pertain to him, and that word is going to be scary. As in Josh Allen is very scary. Uh opposing teams are, are afraid of his weapons. Um, you know, his legs, obviously. We all know he he can make things happen on his feet. And also now his arm, which we've always been afraid of. He hasn't really been incredibly accurate on his deep passes, which, you know, I think well, he's got the strongest arm, you know, maybe in the league, debatably, but his accuracy deep ball really hasn't been that good. Well, it's looked a lot better this year. Don't know if I'm going to give that to Diggs or not or if he's been working on it. But it looks a lot better this year. And, you know, he's also scary to Bills fans. Uh, Every time that dude runs with the ball, you you hold your breath as a Bills fan because the same ways that he can help your team, he can hurt you just as bad. So, I mean, like you said, he's having a good season so far. It has been against not great competition. I'll save my judgment for this year for a couple more weeks, Frank, just because you asked me to.
0: Taking it down to the Meadowlands, 49ers, 31, Jets, 13. Uh, this one was ugly in a lot of ways. Nick, what did you see in this game?
2: Um, I saw a lot of injuries in this game. I saw a lot of people go down. Uh, my one word is IR. Um, yes, Frank, I know that might not be a real word, but in the NFL. Still not a word. Still not a <laughs> word. It's, t-
0: it's, te- it's an acronym. It's technically two words, injured reserve.
2: Hey, hey, I'm doing what I can here, Okay. Okay. Uh, but D Ford, Richard Sermon, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Raheem Mostert is just some of the names that are on that injury list. Um, And some of them aren't coming back for the rest of the year. Um, The Niners, I think, had high, high, high hopes uh, going into this year to be able to potentially run away with the NFC with so much talent. Um, But when they're all on the sidelines, uh, there's no way that they're going to be able to keep it going. At least, you know, that's what I think. Kyle Shanahan has proved me wrong before. It's very possible he could do it again. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Unfortunately for Jets fans, Adam Gase is not on that IR, and he will be on the sidelines coaching next week. What do you think, Frank?
1: Yeah. uh... Simply put, my one word is pathetic, as in the Jets are pathetic. There's nothing inspiring. There's nothing to take away from this other than uh, mackay Beckton highlight somewhere. Uh, I think I saw a video of Darnold making one good pass that led to a touchdown, and that's awesome. They can't put together a team for 60 minutes. Looking at their skill positions, it's just uninspiring. I don't know how you fix that team in a year. I don't know how you fix that team in three years. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Trevor Lawrence, be damned. Chris?
0: So I had a word planned here, and I'll mention it real fast, but listening to you, Frank, just made me think of a different one that I think is more entertaining. Uh, so my original word was bloodbath. The injuries in this game were ridiculous. The 49ers lost two defensive linemen to ACL tears. Uh, at one point, the Jets only had two healthy wide receivers for an NFL game, which is absolutely ridiculous. But uh, after the game was over, I was, uh, you know, perusing the old twitter.com, um, and I saw some, uh, some quotes from uh, Mr. Adam Gase after the game where he said uh, they were going to really work on uh, taking this offense into into hyperdrive. And I would like to know, Mr. Gase, what gear do you presently think (laughs) this team is in? Is hyperdrive more bubble screens? Is it running Frank Gore until he actually dies on the field? Is it six yard outs instead of five yard outs uh it, this team is a disgrace adam gase is a disgrace he needs to go hyperdrive, drive be damned this team is an absolute train wreck
2: my, my favorite comment after that was the jets fans saying is there a way to lose faster you're gonna turn us into a team that loses faster uh, we don't understand
0: if anyone wants to check that out if, uh, the twitter account was uh at verts uh, i think he's a writer for sb nation or someone uh which is where i got that uh that quote and all the comments from just the horribly despondent Jets fans just kind of letting their rage out into the ether. Uh, Ryan, what's your, uh, what's your one word from this game, man?
3: Yeah, I'm going to keep it really short and sweet here because I'm not going to waste my time talking about the Jets. Uh, my one word is expected. This is exactly what I expected. I won a lot of money on this game. Um, the Jets lost. It's not a surprise. This is, uh, you know, this, I never gave them a chance, honestly.
0: Next up, the L.A. Rams, 37, the Philadelphia Eagles, 19. Trouble in Philly early in the year. Nick, what do you think?
2: Yeah, pretty much. uh, And that kind of leads right into my word, which is uh, missing, as in the entire Philadelphia team and offense and everything just seems to be missing. Uh, We know a bunch of the linemen are hurt and they have some injuries and things like that, but outside of that, they just – don't seem to have any type of smooth rhythm or flow or anything on that offense. Um, Carson Wentz doesn't look right. The team just isn't hitting on cylinders. I don't know if them not having preseason just hurt them that bad, but right now it just seems like something's completely missing and it's not looking like they're going to find it anytime soon. What do you think, Frank?
1: Yeah. Uh, my word for this game is panic. And that's what's got to be going through the minds of the Philadelphia front office. Uh Looking at this team, I know injuries hit this team pretty hard, probably more than anybody before the season started. But Carson doesn't look great. The offense doesn't look great. The defense doesn't look great. There's just not a lot of hope. Uh, I understand, you know, the Rams are 2-0. Obviously, they've, they've looked pretty decent. But there's a lot of things on the Philadelphia side that I have a lot of questions about. And I don't know that there's any quick answers. And in that division right now, there's not a lot of time to figure it out. So, Chris, uh, tell me if I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, No, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, my word for this game is controversy, specifically of the quarterback kind. Uh, we know Eagles fans are not the most patient nor forgiving fan base, uh, especially with their quarterbacks. These are the people that threw snowballs and batteries at Santa Claus and haven't been able to live that down for, you know, decades now. It was an empty stadium this weekend with no fans, and Wentz was still getting booed somehow, which either means people are booing that loud outside the stadium or their own marketing people, which I do, are booing their own quarterback. So either way, it's not good at Lincoln Financial Field right now. If they don't right the ship soon, the calls for Jalen Hurts are going to be starting to get louder and more frequent. Whether that's the right or the wrong move to fix this team going forward is a – debate topic for another episode which i'm not going to get into now but the calls for a qb change and a qb controversy are coming if they lose another game this coming weekend
3: yeah moving to jalen hurts is not the right move uh i i, J, I saw a pff writer say something like carson wentz says the worst qb through the first two weeks this year um which is kind of shocking but and also sad to hear for Eagles fans. So if they do throw Jalen Hurts in there, there's kind of two ways it can go, right? It'll be Lamar Jackson when he got thrown in, and he can light it up, and they can do things on offense. Maybe that's exactly what they need. Or it'll be like the end of Tim Tebow's career, and it'll fizzle out, and it'll just be overhyped, and and it's not really what they need. I think it's going to be the latter there. I'm not a believer in Jalen Hurts. But regardless, um, moving on to my word. My word is future, question mark. Which QB from the 2016 draft do you want on your team? Moving forward, Nick, if you had to choose between number one and number two, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, which one would you take right now moving forward, man?
2: And between Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, that's tough, man, because is is Jared Goff going to be able to keep Sean McVay? Um, I I don't know that Jared Goff. Uh, No. (laughs) If he can't keep Sean McVay, I don't think Jared Goff is really that good, to be honest. Uh, He's probably a better version of Andy Dalton. Uh, He manages the game really well, but I don't see him as a game-changing quarterback. As much as Carson Wentz, he's had some injury issues. um, He's struggling this year. I think Carson Wentz can at least win you some games and go out and and ball out in a game and do it. So I would probably take Wentz over Goff personally. But, yeah, right now he's, he's struggling. Um, that whole team is struggling. It, it always falls on the quarterback, wins and losses, doesn't matter. But, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. He, he's, until he gets some help, he, he's going to keep struggling. And I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts, if he goes out there, he's going to die. And everybody's going to see why he never should have been a second-round pick. Um, the only benefit that Hurts would have is his mobility with that O-line right now is to maybe break some plays and get some yards on the ground. But the calls for Jalen Hurts is just, just stupid.
0: All right, guys. Well, game next up that kind of flew, I think, a little under the radar until there was a significant injury that kind of drew some eyes to it. Broncos 21, Steelers 26. Uh, Nick, back to you. What was it about this game that gave you your word or words uh, for the weekend?
2: Well, it's definitely going to be words. Um, I'm, just, I'm just going to keep this going so I can keep that smile on Frank's face. Um, but it's going to be steel curtain. Um, is Pittsburgh starting to bring that steel curtain back to Pittsburgh? Um, that defense flies around. If they have anything, they have speed. If they make a mistake, at least they're doing it really, really fast. Um, and that t- defense is moving around. You know, shout out to, to Driscoll for even <laughs> being able to do anything in that game. And he made some pretty nice throws, but – Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's looking pretty damn good and Big Ben is showing why he's, you know, he's probably one of the best old quarterbacks we've got left. (laughs) So we'll find out what happens. But uh, what do you think Frank? Yeah,
1: so this one uh, screamed to me at the end of it was tank, 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 tank as fast as you can Denver Broncos. The season is lost. Von Miller is gone. Drew Locke probably gone, you know, he's gone for two to five weeks. I don't understand how there's that big of a discrepancy, but, uh, there's just a lot of things which signal, uh, bottom out this year, do the best you can try and develop your players. And, um, get a top pick. You're not married to Drew Locke. He was a second-round pick. We've seen teams turn around on second-round picks very fast when they're quarterbacks, especially if there's someone good available. Chances are if they pick in the top 10, they've either got to look at O-line or they've got to look at one of the top three quarterbacks coming out and make a quick decision.
0: Yeah, Frank, definitely agree with that. Uh, I think we all know uh, you know, John Elway likes him tall and with a big arm, so if they end up tanking really hard, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be uh, going to be just his type, I think. Uh, my word for this game was injuries, um, bit of a cop-out. But, again, I don't think there was anything really of note in this game besides the injury to Drew Locke. Their star edge rusher, out. Cortland Sutton, out. Uh, Drew Locke's now out. Other minor injuries, out. Uh, this season is teetering on the brink of total and complete collapse in Denver. Um, and they're also in a division with the Chiefs, the Raiders, who are looking plucky. And the Chargers that are potentially dangerous, unless Anthony Lynn is a total dumbass, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But regardless of what happens uh, on the field at Mile High, John Elway is in absolutely zero danger of losing his job because he's a god among men in Denver and he will never be fired from that job. Ryan, you are a resident uh, Coloradan, Coloradoan. Uh, why don't you uh, take it from here and tell us what you think?
3: Yeah, so I kind of like what all you said. Um... Yeah. So living in Denver, I see a lot of things around here about the Broncos. I can't, you know, I'm just force fed Broncos media all day long, talking to people at work. I can't get away from it. So I got no choice but to participate in and converse. And I saw something this week that John Elway compared Drew Locke to himself. So no, I don't think they're getting Drew Locke out after this year. I think they're going to stick with him. Um, But my one word for this game is L. It's in the Broncos took a major L, losing Locke for several weeks and Sutton for the rest of the year. Their playoff chances are now completely gone, in my opinion, which is unfortunate because I had money on them as a long shot to win the Super Bowl. Very good odds just keep that in mind very very favorable laws it was like ten dollars to win like 500 or something so uh, i did that last year and it paid off this year i don't think i'm going to get so lucky um so yeah they're gonna miss the playoffs even in a year with ex- expanded playoffs um seven teams per conference i still don't think they have a shot it's a pretty loaded conference and uh, if the broncos are lucky at this point like i said i don't know if they ditch lock after this year Kind of kidding when I say they're going to stick with him. I I don't really know for sure yet. Um, maybe they get lucky and they take Jamar Chase in the draft this year. Maybe you just load up right like the Cowboys did. You got you got your weapons. You give your. I mean, I mean, I think we said it before this year started. You know, Drew Lock has no reason not to succeed because he's got so many weapons. It's an offensive league, man. Just load it up. Throw all the weapons on the offense, and you don't need a good quarterback. You just need a good play caller, and that comes down to your offensive coordinator, which. I like the things they've done. So, you know, we'll continue to to monitor that. But, yeah, I think for the Broncos, the season's done, unfortunately.
0: All right, taking it from the west out to the east, Carolina Panthers, 17, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, Brady Nears, I don't know, I've seen a lot of jokes on Twitter, 31. Uh, Nick, what did you you think about this one? Panthers getting off to an 0-2 start, Buccaneers recovering a little bit from last week.
2: Yeah, Bucks recovered a little bit from last week. Um, but my word for this game is going to be overrated, as in everybody's going to overrate this win just because the Bucks beat a really, really bad team in Carolina. Everybody's talking about Tom Brady finding his groove, and he's starting to get it. He's got three TDs and three interceptions on the year. Two and two last week, one and one this week. So is Tom just going to throw a touchdown for every interception every week, and we're still going to think he's great? Tom's dropping off. The Bucks, I really don't think are as good as people thought. Um, I, I think this this win, unfortunately, is going to blow up a lot of that narrative again. Um, let's see what they can do against a little bit better of a team. But, yeah, my word for this week is overrated.
1: Yeah, so I don't. I think you're 100% right on that. I think every Tampa win we're going to see people come out in the streets and tell us how great this team is and why they were right to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. Uh my word is going to be rejuvenation, and that is the rejuvenation of Leonard Fournette, because there is nothing else exciting about this game. Uh, Leonard Fournette had 12 carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns. Yay, go top five running backs. Ryan was all about picking a running back early and how successful they are. Uh, so, uh, no, outside of that, I really didn't find anything a- attractive about this game, and quite frankly, let's move. <laughs> Just, Chris, tell, tell me what you saw from this game.
0: Yeah, I think agreeing with both you guys, uh, overrated and the hype around Fournette is just something I haven't, I didn't ever really understood with this team. You looked at all, you know, the off season promotional graphics from ESPN and it was Tom Brady, LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette, Gronk. This team's going to the Super Bowl, And I think it shows the divide between like that casually consumed football media and people that actually watch and really appreciate the sport like us, because we know the keys to that team are Levante David, Devin White, Mike Evans, those talented young cornerbacks, uh, Tristan Wirfs being a very above average right tackle to start the year. Like Those are the keys that make this team good, not players that were highly rated in Madden you know, 2013 and get everyone all hot and bothered under a collar. My word real short is bridge, as in Teddy Bridgewater is a bridge QB. Um, he's not the answer. I think most people knew that. Uh, again, the casual ESPN consumption media were hyping that up because he looked good as a backup for uh Jabris for five games and an amazing system but no he's a bridge qb he has an average arm he's averagely accurate that team goes as far as christian mccaffrey who's now dead for two to six weeks this team is going to be looking at drafting a way better version of teddy bridgewater in trey lance or justin fields here this coming spring Ryan, what'd you think about this one
3: yeah, my one word for this week is going to be replacements. And it's kind of a uh, – it can be applied in a couple different ways. Number one, you're going to need replacements on your fantasy team now because Christian McCaffrey's gone. Maybe you trade him. Maybe you figure out something. Either way, you're not going to use him for several weeks. The other way I think that this word can be used, replacements, is the Bucks. They really need to start thinking about the future. I don't think they have a serious chance at the Super Bowl this year. They might win nine games, maybe. Um, I don't – maybe make the playoffs with nine wins in the NFC, but I don't think they're going to have any real shot of getting or or, or, doing, or doing anything really deep in the playoffs. Um, they need to start planning and drafting good players at valuable positions instead of run stuffers on the interior D line. Chris, I had to make an argument in the uh, pre-draft. I think it was a pre-draft show. might have been a post. Um, Shelby did earlier this year about Derek Brown. He's poopy, man. Um, he was the lowest-graded rookie interior D lineman this week. Um, taken and he was taken in the top ten overall the entire draft. So, I rescind all my uh, my Derek Brown support. Uh, it's gonna be like I said, you don't you don't build a solid team by drafting fat people to to, to tackle running backs. Like it's just not how you do it. The, the the Bucks need to start planning, but unfortunately, I don't think they will, and we'll end up last year where we were last year or a couple years ago. Here in the next year or two is when they're they're dangerously floating in that range of purgatory
0: all right heading out to the desert the Washington football team 15 the Arizona Cardinals 30 Kyler's looking good starting to get a lot of love on TV early this week what did you see from this game and is that love a little premature
2: I don't think it is. I had the Cardinals winning this division before the year started, and with all the injuries to San Francisco, they've got a better shot. Granted, there's an MVP up in Seattle that has something to say otherwise. But for me, my one word on this game was expected. I expected Arizona to win this game comfortably. Um, I I, I love Ron Rivera and what he's trying to do in Washington, but he just doesn't have the pieces or the talent in that team yet to be able to really do what he needs to do. Arizona with with Murray and D Hop and uh, you know even you know the corpse of Larry Fitzgerald being there they're they're still able to do some stuff offensively but um, for me it was expected I, I I had Arizona winning this game pretty handily without without much of an issue
1: yeah so uh, piggybacking off that I think. Uh, my one word uh, is risky, and that is what Cliff Kingsbury was doing on Sunday. Uh, I felt like he felt like the game was pretty much in hand and could do whatever he wanted. Uh, calling a uh, jet sweep on fourth and one uh, with Christian Kirk I thought was uh, pretty pretty dramatic and, and other on his side of the field nonetheless. But I, th- I think things like that are why people like Cliff Kingsbury. I think you could do that against a team like Washington. I, I don't know that you could pull that against a team like Seattle, a little bit smarter, a little bit uh, more talented. But uh, Cliff Kingsbury will live and die by the risk, and uh, so will the Arizona Cardinals. Chris, hype up your man Kyler a little bit more. I don't think we're hyped enough on him. Give me some more Kyler, action,
0: Man, I'm going to have to go opposite from you again. My word is slow, as in I think we need to slow the roll a little bit on this team. I love what Kyler's doing, and, man, is he going to be fun as hell to watch. The league is in a great spot with a lot of young, talented, athletic quarterbacks. but The Cardinals beat a visibly hungover and shook 49ers team in week one. They have now beaten the Washington football team in week two. That, For all the goodwill they got last week for beating a bad Eagles team, they're still not a great team. I think Kyler and Cliff are definitely taking steps. They look better this year. They are learning to work as a unit, and they are going to live and die together. But I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit. They're in a very competitive division. I want to see them really start playing consistently against better teams. Their schedule is going to pick up soon, um, especially when they get into playing the Rams, the Seahawks, um, the Niners. Again, depending on what their health is, they may not have a team ready to field at that point towards the end of the season. Um, That defense has holes. I think that defense is going to let them down and then you have to put it on Kyler's arm to win you a game behind. And I'll be interested to see that when it happens, but, I'm excited about Kyler. I think he's going to be a damn good player, but I think we need to slow the roll just a little bit.
3: Yeah, I'm going to come in and kind of second that. Uh, I'm definitely big on Kyler as well. Very happy to watch his career right now. But my – I don't really have one word for this one. I kind of gave up when I was trying to think of a way to put this into one word. I just want to call this the battle of the bad. Um, Neither team really is very good. I disagree with Nick. I don't have the Cardinals doing well this year at all. I mean. The division they're in is probably the best division in the league, right? I mean, they, the 49ers, yeah, they got some injuries. Jimmy G's gonna miss a little bit, but I got news for you: Nick Mullins can hand off the ball just as well as Jimmy G can. Okay, so so give some respect to the Niners. Okay, so um, and then try and
1: preach, tell them yes, that Nick Mullins can go just as far.
3: Yes, yes. Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, stand for sure. Um, and then yeah, Seahawks are gonna be freaking scary this year man that's a that's a sick team up there um but yeah we'll get to them later um yeah battle the bad the cardinals had 22 missed tackles on defense this week and they still smoked the football team uh that's something i like to see as a cowboys fan i'll see the red the uh the football team drafting top five again next year um they didn't I, think, look it's, I quite- think it's
2: fair that we just call them the Washington team. I don't know what they're doing as football just yet. We can just call them the Washington Ooh,
3: team. Damn, you're going to demote them and just call them the Washington team. Like, like they'd almost be better playing a different sport than football. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was last week a fluke. I guess we'll just have to continue watching and, and see how the season plays out. But um, I like the Cardinals. I love the future for them. But, yeah, it's, this is, like I said, this is a, a game between two teams who will not be in the playoffs this year.
0: Moving it out west to a game that was, I think, surprisingly closer than any of us would have thought. Chiefs 23, Chargers 20. The last possible second, Tyrod Taylor uh, was ruled out during warm-ups due to a a chest injury, and uh, Justin Herbert, whose uh, name escaped me last week, but Justin Herbert, quarterback, Oregon, seventh overall pick, sixth overall pick, uh, what's-his-face from Auburn was seventh pick, uh, came into the game. Nick, what did you uh what did you see from Herbert and the Chargers really making it a close one with the Chiefs?
2: Yeah, Chris, you kind of uh jumped right on there with my word as uh my word was going to be chest as this game all relied on Tyrod's chest. Uh if Tyrod's in this game, I don't think this game's even close. Um Justin Herbert coming in, I don't think the Chiefs necessarily were prepared for that. Um, Herbert's got a much livelier arm. He's much more mobile than Tyrod is at this point in his career. Um, I think Herbert gave a little bit of energy in that first couple drives to where it really, you know, got the, the chargers moving. Um, fortunately, the chiefs, you know, did what they did and they came back um, the chiefs love to go down and then just, all right, time to turn it on and they just go to work. So um, it's, it's an interesting thing to watch them go when they're ready to turn it on. But yeah, I, I don't see Tyrod getting his job back after that unfortunately um normally uh you don't want vets losing their job to injuries but uh Herbert did more than what Tyrod could do in three games in one so <laughs> bye Tyrod
1: yeah so let's let's laugh about that because my word is idiot because Anthony Lynn came out after the game saying Tyrod was still going to be a starter if he was healthy uh which is just nonsense um I don't think Anthony Lynn is a good coach I've been uh, very vocal in that uh, this team has no future under Anthony Lynn as decisions are being made under that kind of microcosm. I think Justin Herbert looked good. I think they tried to make the offense very easy for him in a lot of ways. Uh, however, he he definitely uh, had some throws where you're like, okay, I can see why people were hyped on him before the draft and why he was picked six. Uh, and then he also had that silly interception, which cost them in the long run. Uh, one thing I'd like to say on the Kansas City side another imperfect game from the offense I think the offense did enough uh obviously it's not exciting this week is a much bigger test which we'll talk about in a little bit but one of the things here is is this team continually finds a way to get the job done and move the ball you're seeing longer drives from this team this year uh you know the the last touchdown drive was a nine minute long drive which just killed San Diego you saw Joey, or. Uh, Yeah, Joey Bose on the sideline with his hands on his hips, uh, looking like he was sucking wind in Denver. So, you know, things like this, this is how I think they're going to be really successful, at least earlier in the year, uh, is continually drive defenses down, wear them down, and in the fourth quarter they can make their run. So, uh, Chris, I will defer to you as my homer started showing there very quickly.
0: Yeah, um, I think going off of your point that Anthony Lynn is probably not a good coach, I'll kind of spiral and attack him from a different angle. And I will say that Anthony Lynn is a liar. I don't care what he said at his postgame press conference. You cannot have your rookie quarterback almost take it to the Chiefs and then go back to Tyrod freaking Taylor next week. What do you say? Oh, we're going to go back to Tyrod. Uh, Justin's the backup for a reason. Why? Because he can throw a piss missile like 50 yards down the field. I can't see Tyrod throw like past like the first down marker. Like no shit, Anthony Lynn, he's going to throw bad picks. He's a rookie. Like he's a kid. Like he didn't know he was going to start until 10 minutes before kickoff. So like, yeah, like it's going to be a tough game, but that's why you put rookies in. You're not going to win the division this season. You're probably not going to make the playoffs. Let Herbert get his reps, let him, you know, work with those really good receivers Which And he made Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. They looked way better against a better defense with him under center this week than they did with Tyrod playing the freaking Bengals last week, and they could barely score and almost blew that game. Yeah, uh, personal victory lap. I said last week my word of the uh, the week for the Chargers was cuck. I knew Tyrod was going to get cucked out of the starting job eventually. I just didn't think it would be uh, week two. Second personal victory lap, I made a joke in uh, an NFL group chat with some friends that when I saw Tyrod was out with chest fines, I said, oh, yeah, one of the coaches probably went up and just, like, stabbed Tyrod in the chest and went, oh, no, now we have to start Herbert. No. And then I'm in the gym this morning on ESPN. It says, Tyrod Taylor, chest injury due to complications from a chest injection prior to the game. I'm sitting there going, I knew it. They tried to kill Tyrod. That's how they're getting Herbert in like standing at the gym pointing at the tee like a total dumbass, but uh, personal victory laps. Yeah, uh, Tyrod's not getting this job back. Forever the bridesmaid, not the bride. Tyrod's going to get signed in the offseason by whoever drafts, uh, Justin Fields, and then he's going to get benched by halftime in week one of the 2021 season because that's just the time frame on right now. Uh, Ryan, what, <laughs> after that rambling, what would you think about this game?
3: Honestly, Chris, if there was a way to put money on that, him being cucked out of a job before halftime next year. I, I, You seem pretty tuned in to Tyrod, so I would do it, man. I'm just going to take your word for it. You you, you hit it every time. Uh, fortunately, I don't have as much to add to this one. I missed this game when I was working. Um, definitely when I saw the score, I was like, oh, 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 my. And then I saw Herbert play, and I was like, oh, goodness. Um, my one word is diamond, as in diamond in the rough. Well, Jarius Sneed has stolen my heart. And I am extremely upset the Cowboys missed him as a prospect. Um, The Chiefs continue to hit in the draft, even in the the day three picks. And uh, I am, as a Cowboys fan, as an NFL team fan that's not the Chiefs, I'm terrified.
0: All right, next game up. And, guys, we are almost at the end of our week two review. Ravens, 33. Texans, 16. 0-2 start for the Texans. Nick, how much trouble are they in down there
2: in Houston? Ah, uh, they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, Bill Bill O'Brien has built himself quite a roster that does nothing. Uh, unfortunately, Houston's just—they're going to be probably in the bottom of that division. I just don't see them doing much. It's it's all on Deshaun Watson. My my word of the day uh, with that one was defense, and that's just Baltimore's defense just just starting to to get their their groove going. Uh, with everybody there, the the DBs are doing well. Marlon Humphrey had a had a rough game, but uh, Marcus Peters is just dominating right now. No matter who he's going against, so um, Baltimore is, is scary, very very scary. They can beat you in multiple ways, whether it's running, passing, um, or defensively. So right now, but Houston Houston doesn't have a shot. So somebody needs to. Help them. I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. They're going to break him, and then it's going to be another Derek Carr situation. Um, but hopefully, somebody can can come to the rescue soon.
1: Yeah, uh, my word is unfair, as in it is unfair that the Houston Texans had to open with the Chiefs and the Ravens, uh, playing the two best teams in your conference week one and week two with no preseason and very little practice is just completely unfair. Uh, this team will bounce back. That division, or that yeah, that division is not very strong. All due respect to the mighty two 0 Titans, but uh, this is this, it's long from over for the Texans. Yes, they don't look great, but also uh, it's very hard to judge them based off of playing Baltimore and Kansas City. Uh, there's some takeaways from this where I think the Houston offense seemed to move the ball better at the end of the, the you know in the second half uh, as they opened things up a little bit. My concern is that they went away from the run game and only 11 carries for David Johnson, no carries for any other running back. Uh, Houston is not going to win that way. They've got to figure out a way to run the ball, even if that offensive line is terrible.
0: Yeah, my word of the game or word of the day uh, for the Texans is going to be panic. Uh, the pa- the Texans need to start panicking. All the alarm bells need to be going off down there in Houston. Uh, I believe the math says if you start 0-2, it puts your chances of making the playoffs around 11%. So if they go 0-3, what is I don't don't know what that math is, but it's got to be infinitesimally like less um, than that 11%. They need to hit the film room. They need to hit the practice field hard this week because they could very conceivably start 0-3 because the schedule makers did them no favors. Going against a very tough Pittsburgh Steelers team with a defense that has been dominating early this season, fast, aggressive, hard-hitting against that weak Texans front is going to be – really really dangerous and i think deshaun is potentially in a lot of trouble yeah it's i know to frank to your point they played tough teams and they're going to play a third tough team but you know spotting the rest of the afc three games is going to make it that much harder to climb out of the hole and then eventually try to fight for the playoffs which i'll be honest i don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point Ryan, am i wrong or do you agree with me
3: no i agree um if they didn't make the playoffs, it'd be lucky because they're in a bad division Um, and it would be the division lead going into the playoffs. But um, no, the Texans, you have to, you have to find a way to, to win games, man. Um, Tough teams can be beaten. Chiefs, the Chargers almost beat the Chiefs this week. So like saying that they, they, I mean, they're definitely doing themselves a disservice. I just don't think that they're, they, they are showing any kind of fight. Like we said, Bill O'Brien was a good coach. Good coaches win games. They got a good quarterback. I don't know. Texans team kind of lost. But my word for this week is overreact pertains more to the Ravens. Um, I overreacted last week when I doubted that the Ravens were going to be the team they were last year in the running game. Um, I I definitely regret making comments about that. Uh, They looked, I think they had like over, they had well over 200 yards rushing this week. Um, I think the Ravens are just as scary this year as they were last year.
0: All right, fellas, that wraps up the Sunday afternoon games. Two left and two big ones. Sunday Night Football, Patriots 30, Seahawks 35. Russ was cooking again. Nick, what do you think about this one?
2: Yeah, I'm going to steal the same word I had uh, for the Seahawks game last week, and I'm going to say MVP. Russell Wilson is doing nothing but showing why he needs to be the MVP. He threw four touchdowns last week, which – was a great game, and he decided to come back and throw five this week. This man is just balling out. It is ridiculous what he is doing. Uh, 21 of 28 for 288 yards and five touchdowns. He did throw one pick, but that's just insane. He is just going off right now. Um, The Patriots are are a good defensive team. They're well coached, which we all know. Um, To put up five touchdowns on that defense, uh, Bill Belichick was – not happy, I guarantee it, after that game. Um, so until Russ wins it, I'm going to fight for him to get MVP. He deserves it. That guy is just – he's just absolutely killing it.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think I think the word I used for New England last week was unsustainable. Uh, Cam Newton carrying the ball 15 times last week. This week they decided to let him run 11 times for a team high. Uh, my big concern is that he threw the ball 44 times uh, I know we've talked about his arm is healthy. He's healthy. He's doing all these things, but that is a surefire way to to uh, break Cam Newton is to have him throw 44 times and then run 11 more. That's just a lot of wear and tear on the guy. So, that's that's my big concern. Chris, what did you see from this game?
0: Well, Nick stole my word or acronym uh, as it may be. So I think we're going to need to start comparing notes before we do these episodes. But I don't have enough time to change it, so I'm just going to do my little spiel too. So uh here it is unedited i'm gonna go with a nick special here and use an acronym as my word mvp okay i'm not doing that anymore anyway so mvp uh as in this was a battle uh this was a battle between former mvp cam newton and future 2020 nfl mvp russell wilson russ is cooking That defense that was so good and the strength and backbone of that team for so long is a distant memory. And the only way this team is going to win now is by unleashing Russell Wilson to his fullest potential. And that is going to result in him getting a very overdue MVP award. I have been – very much an anti-Russell Wilson, um, not as a person, but as a player, I thought Russell Wilson was overrated for the longest time, and I am fully and truly eating my words now. What he's been doing the last couple of weeks looks incredible, and his deep ball is one of the prettiest in the league right now. So with those weapons he has, I think he's going to continue to be throwing for 300 yards and three TDs or more every single weekend. Ryan, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on potential future NFL MVP, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks?
3: Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? Russell Wilson, I think, certainly has himself at the top of the MVP race through two weeks, granted. But I want to say I saw something that said he had nine touchdown passes in two weeks and 11 incompletions in two weeks, which, I mean, for one game, if you have similar numbers there, it's like, wow, he had a good game. Two games is when we start to go – it's really an eye-opener, which kind of actually leads me into my next – my, my my word of the game, which is going to really look—it's more for the Patriots and the Seahawks—and it's actually not a word. I'm going to do an emoji here. That's going to be the emoji with the wide open eyes, like like oh snap, oh shit. Cam Newton surprised me. I he, he PFF graded him as the highest player on the Patriots offense, like a high 80s grade, very respectable. Um, he looked really good. I was not expecting him to look that good throwing 44 times a game. However. I am in the same boat as Frank. I still don't have full confidence in his ability to stay healthy, Um, running 10-plus times a game and throwing the ball 40-plus times a game. It really feels like they're going to look really good, and then Cam's going to go down, and the season will be lost for them.
0: Ryan I'm a big fan of the whole uh the emoji game I think every week this needs to be your thing now we can just tease it on uh, on Twitter every week it's come see who is Ryan's emoji game this week and we'll drop the emoji and see if people can figure it out this will be this will be one of our things going forward it's making me laugh every time you do it for sure
3: yeah I'm, I'm down we can I can I can come up with some emojis. let's do
0: it man every week I want to see one emoji game I don't care which one I just right. want it to be a surprise too
1: I'm going to throw this out here real quick because I've heard MVP for Russell Wilson. I I want to remind everyone that Russell Wilson was named uh, by many midseason MVP last year, right up there with Lamar Jackson, and he did fade at the end of the year. This team does have a propensity to tighten up at the end of the year where the offense looks a little less sexy than it has. So I do think Russell Wilson deserves it. Uh, Obviously, if the season was over right now, you know, Chiefs would be in the playoffs, but Russell Wilson would be the MVP. Somebody tell me I'm wrong here not just – maybe I'm the only one who's getting, not getting carried away. But, Chris, Chris I, I see you disagreeing here. Give me something.
0: So, I, it's not that I wholly disagree with you. I think the NFL MVP award is not always purely who is the best player on the field. I think it at times becomes a legacy award. So, I think on the, uh, the rate that Russell's at right now, if he throws for 40 touchdowns this year, if he crosses that 40-touchdown, 4,000-yard plateau – they're gonna give it to him as an achievement award over giving it to Lamar again, or giving it to Mahomes again. Cause I think Russ is overdue for one. And I think, again, the people that vote on that award, there's a lot of public pressure there. People, you know, it can be political, same with like the NBA MVP and a lot of other awards. So I think he's gonna have a good season. And I agree, they do tend to fade at times, but I think part of it is gonna be, it's gonna be the Russell Wilson Lifetime Achievement NFL MVP award.
2: Yeah, it, it, I think the biggest travesty with all of that with him with him with the MVP, he's never even gotten a vote, not one vote for the MVP, which is an absolute ridiculousness. Yeah, the, yeah. That but sense.
1: Collinsworth said it was all about him, and he didn't mail his in on time or mailed it to the wrong place, so the vote was There's, totally there. Okay, come on, get that out of here.
2: <laughs> There's more than one random dude on freaking yeah. okay Monday Night Football voting. Great.
1: <laughs> Well let's talk about this, okay? The year that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning had one of the greatest statistical years ever, right? So duly noted, Peyton Manning won that year, Russell Wilson did not. Uh, the years that he has really good years, the problem is there's somebody who does better. I don't know that there's a year where he's been better than the top person. I hope it's this year. I hope for Russell's sake, he plays well enough that it, it is it does happen. But I just I get it gets carried away sometimes when we talk about that. Like, Mahomes was great, the greatest player two years ago. Uh, and Lamar I still think he's the greatest player. Like, right. Right. I, I understand, you know, there, there is some legitimacy that Russ, Russ deserves one. I just, I want to see it happen, <laughs> but I, I want think to see not it not fade.
0: I think part of it is also going to be, at least for me, when I look at an MVP and I consider an MVP, not that I have a vote, obviously, but just my personal opinion is you have to look at like, truly like, could they have won without this player? So I think Russell Wilson will get some votes because that defense surprisingly looks like dog shit this year. Uh, So if they keep giving up 30 a game, but they keep winning, then you know it's isolated because it's Russ's arm. And I think that will garner a few more votes where, And again, I can just see people spinning it this way to convince themselves to give Russell Wilson votes. But Lamar looks like he has a great defense behind him this year. Pat Mahomes is probably the greatest player in football right now, and people just aren't going to want to give it to him again. So I could see that being a part of it as well. I think there's going to be a big confluence of factors. But I do think right now, Russ is really starting to build an early lead for MVP. But to your point, that can change very, very quickly if he has a string of bad games. The narrative can shift very quickly.
2: And Aaron Rodgers is putting in his ballot for MVP as well. He's, he's not going to let Russ have it easy. It's literally between, I think, those four quarterbacks, Lamar, Mahomes, Rodgers, and Wilson, to duke it out. I, I don't know anybody else right now that's going to even have a shot.
0: All right, guys, last game of the week, Monday Night Football. Uh, Saints 24, the Las Vegas Raiders breaking in the Roomba, the Death Star, the Death Roomba, whatever you want to call it, with 34 points. Derek Carr signed that wall after a big, big comeback win. Uh, Nick, what did you see here from both of these teams?
2: Um, A lot more than I expected from the Raiders. Um, I thought this game was going to be an easy win for the Saints. Um, I did not expect the Raiders to play as well as they did. I know it's a home game and it's a new stadium, but there's no fans there. And no matter how much you want to try to hype it up, it's hard. It's still exciting being in that stadium. Uh, The Saints struggled quite a bit. Losing Michael Thomas and his slants hurt them quite a bit. Everybody, I mean, my, my one word was done with a question mark for Drew Brees because that's apparently the narrative right now is everybody thinks he's done. I don't think he's completely done. I mean, he still had a good game compared to an average quarterback, but he's not Drew Brees of old. He can't go, you know, 450 in a game and win you a game with three touchdowns. Uh, he's going to be more of a game manager now and he needs guys to make plays. He can't go deep all the time. Um, I don't think he's as bad as where Tom is right now, but I think he he could be. I mean, it, it's very easy for these quarterbacks to fall off and, uh, a ledge pretty quickly. So we'll see. Um, but if anything out of this game, I think the surprise of the Raiders play and their ability to win this game for me was more of an impact than where Bree struggled.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of takeaways from this game, right? Um, you know, we can talk about, are the Raiders for real? <laughs> Is Drew Brees washed up? I, I, I think both those answers are, are no. Um, but the, the, the one word I'd, I'd say is, is outmatched. And I don't think we use the word outmatch very often when it comes to a shot and Peyton coach team. Uh, but the Raiders totally look like they outmatched the saints on Monday night. Uh, the, the Raiders pretty much, even from the beginning, even when they were down a little bit, had that game, had you feeling like they had this under control. And the simple fact is we watched Josh Jacobs pounded inside. We watched, these average Raiders receivers and young Raiders receivers uh, beat up on the Saints. And then Darren Waller had 12 catches and whoever covered him, he just abused them, uh, which is not a good sign for the Saints considering, you know, uh, George Kittle's in their conference. So uh, those are some of the main takeaways I took away from it. Um, Chris, what did you see?
0: Yeah, uh, my word for this game is going to be revelations because the apocalypse is nigh, Saints fans. The end of days is rapidly approaching for this dynasty, and you guys are going to have to very quickly experience the dark side of the NFL after a prolonged period of success. Uh, Continuing from my last week, uh, Drew Brees' arm is cooked. I don't think Drew Brees is cooked. On that final drive, down 10, I believe Drew Brees checked down and threw to the running back either two or three times on a drive where you're trying to get points to theoretically give yourself a chance to onside it and kick a field goal. Part of that, you can say, is strategy, but also because Drew Brees can't throw the ball downfield anymore unless he really winds up, and then it just loses a lot of accuracy. He's also having trouble throwing outside the hashes. So Drew Brees is operating short and intermediate, within the hash marks right now and it's working for him because he is so intelligent and he's been around the league for almost 20 years. And he has that experience, but this is absolutely the Drew Brees retirement tour. It's not official yet, but this is absolutely the last ride for uh, the former Boilermaker and the saints have a big due. They're going to have to pay soon. They have pushed their incoming cap Hell down the, down the road uh, year by year for, five years now, just continually adding in deferrals and contract extensions. And those bills are going to come due very soon. And they're going to have to rip this thing down. So it may not be next year, but it's coming very soon, Saints fans. So I would be, I would be ready for that. You guys are about to experience what the rest of us have felt at times. Ryan, what'd you think about this one last game of the week?
3: I am going to reuse a word that Frank used earlier. That's right. I want everyone to pump the brakes on Derek Carr. Um, he has games that he uh, that he needs to just that he, he takes over and he looks he looks really good and you know he had his his MVP season or whatever they got cut short but he he's done this before where he he looks really good and I don't think he has games where he looks absolutely terrible but I just don't think I'm ready to crown him you know Derek Carr savior of the Las Vegas Raiders um, I I I'm not gonna buy into Derek Carr anymore it's it comes and it goes. It's, uh, it's much like Trubisky. I'm just, I'm just ready to, uh, to move on to the next week and, and see, see him let down his team again.
0: All right, guys, uh, just real quick open-ended question, and this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I need you to just, like, roll with me for a second. How, in his present state, how different really is Drew Brees from Gardner Minshew in terms of what they bring to your team on the field? Because I think right now watching them play for two weeks, it's a different system, and obviously there's experience with Drew, but from a physical angle, like what does Drew Brees do that Gardner Minshew cannot also do right now? Like I believe that is fully where Drew Brees is at, is that he is a game manager in every extent of the word right now. This is heresy. Tell me I'm wrong, but this is just what my brain is thinking right now.
1: Yeah, so I think, I think it's it, – right now I think it's very easy to pile on Drew, right, because he didn't look all that great, and he didn't bring him back against the lowly Raiders however i think from what we saw from gardner he didn't bring the the jags back either right um when it came down and he had a chance to win the game or tie the game he failed to deliver uh i i obviously drew's best years are behind him however um i think if you if you flip roles and you put gardner in the saints I don't know that we're talking about the Saints in any other positive manner because we're talking about a team that wants to run Taysom Hill, at quarterback, and take Drew Brees off the field on the red zone, right? I don't think the Saints do him much favors when guys like Michael Thomas are out of the game. That being said, I, maybe it's just I'm not high on Gardner or as high on Gardner where I would totally take Drew Brees if I needed, if I needed a backup for uh, my team or I needed a starter for my team for the rest of the year. Frank? Oh, God. I'm,
3: so, I'm sorry, Frank. I'm not with you on this one, man. I've sold all my stock. Jesus I Christ. am completely done doubting Gardner Minshew. Uh, that mustache is a coming in
1: rate. so much darker. I could see it from the beginning. Damn it, Ryan. Thank you for not leaving me on an island,
0: Ryan. I thought I was going to be the only one dying on this very lonely take island.
3: I, I had I had Gardner Minshew pre-draft a lot higher than where he got drafted, but I was not expecting this. And I was even doubtful last year. I'm like, wow, this is just this is just one of those one years where we're gonna go, wow. Remember that one year when this fucking guy named Gardner was doing it was was lighting it up like Mitchumania, he's like got all these fans and stuff for this stupid way he dresses and has this dumb little mustache that everyone loves. And then now he's just doing it again. I, I definitely see a situation where he ends the year and the Jags stick with him, honestly, with this Jags team who stuck with Blake Bortles for years. I really at this point I think it's a possibility that uh, that Minshew is on this team for several more years.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to jump on the Minshew bandwagon. Um, th- this is kind of where I'll, I'll, I'll go with Frank a little bit, though, because I, I agree with Frank in the sense that I don't think Sean McVay is giving Breeze any help. I think Sean McVay is still thinking Breeze is five years younger than he is and that he could do things that he used to do um, rather than changing that game plan a little bit. Uh, to be able to do a little bit more running, um, a little bit more, uh, you know, tight end usage and and pounding the rock and slowing the game down. Um, They have the defense to be able to do it, but I think they're still just trying to spread him too thin, throw the ball way too many times. Um, They need to let him manage that game. But, yeah, if I had to pick one quarterback this year, I'm sorry. I'm taking Minshew over over Breeze. Neither one of them, like Frank said, is going to win you the game, really, but Minshew is going to be a whole hell of a lot more fun to watch. (laughs)
1: Y'all are wild, Nick. I, I, since you partially agree with me, I won't completely crush you. But you are such an old man. It is Sean Payton, not Sean McVay. Uh, you're getting your Shauns com- confused, uh, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, y'all are both high. offensive genius. Everyone's <laughs> Everyone's wrong. What is wrong with you guys? Gardner Minshew got replaced by Nick Foles last year. Okay, Gardner Minshew had so many mistakes last year they benched him for Nick fucking Foles. So. A well, lot can change in one to, year, man. Oh, to be yeah, fair, they change. paid
2: Nick you, Foles a freaking fortune, so they tried to get some of their money out of it. They paying
1: him a fortune. So, you know what? This is, this is ridiculous. Gardner Minshew <laughs> is very fun, and he has a cool mustache, and he says a lot of cool things in the media. But where are we seeing this this great quarterback from that, you know, we're talking about a Saints team that, that should be playing, you know, competing for the NFC title versus a guy who. I'm, is he going to win six games this year in, in Jacksonville? Is that a win if he wins six? I, I feel like we got a slightly off
0: the rails here. My my point i was trying to make was not that he's going to win games because I believe wins are a product of the team. It is that I believe right now, if you compare skill sets, Drew Brees and Gardner Minshew are are completely interchangeable in terms of like. Physical skill sets like Drew Brees has more experience processing, but Gardner has a little bit more lively of an arm. Absolutely, like Drew Brees is a legend of the game, and Gardner may not be it, but through two games, I guess what I was saying was I see zero difference between two shorter guys who primarily operate between the hashes. Um, Gardner runs like a little bit, I guess. Um, I'm not arguing for the fun angle, Nick. That's all you, but I, I support you. He is fun to watch. I'm not gonna lie. My point was just that. I think you could trade them today, and I don't think results change from team to team much. I don't think they deviate much from what they would be if you would leave them on their their present
2: teams. I could argue that Minshew could be better because Minshew has no weapons in Jacksonville. He has DJ Chark, and that's it. You give him Michael Thomas and all those other weapons, he could potentially do much better. Breeze has all the experience. He could. Potential. Sure. He's going to win six games this year. Listen, Breeze is 637 (laughs) years old. He's going to retire at some
1: point. You guys were born in the same year. We all know Nick, okay? You guys are best friends. This is awesome. Frank,
2: you're like three (laughs) days younger than me. I'm fired (laughs) up.
1: Y'all have ruined Uh, everything for me. We have
0: triggered. (laughs) All right, we got to bring this one back under control. It's late. We have triggered Frank in the extreme this evening. All right, guys. Everyone, same as last week, let's pick one game we want to watch for next week and we want the people to watch for next week. Nick, why don't you tell us your game first uh, that you're going to be watching closely next week and why the fans should be watching that one too.
2: Uh, So for mine, it's a little bit of a homer pick. Uh, It's Bears at the Falcons. Uh, More or less, the reason I think this game is a big one to watch is we got to see if one of these teams is real. Um, is the Bears actually, you know, worth being 2-0? I don't know. I'm not huge or very confident in them being 2-0. Are the Falcons really as bad as we think they are? I mean, in all reality, the Falcons should win this game. I think they have a much better offense, way more weapons. Their defense isn't as bad as I think they've shown. But are the Bears better than we think they are? Is Trubisky actually going to be able to go on the road and, and win a big game against a big team that can put up some points? We'll find out. But that's – I mean, I think – that's what we got to learn from one of these teams who's real this week um, and see what they can do and go from there. What about you, Frank?
1: Yeah. So mine's an easy choice. And since Nick went Homer, I'm going Homer too. Damn it. Uh, Chiefs and Ravens on Monday night. uh, These are the two best teams in the AFC. Uh, I don't know what we're going to see. My, my heart tells me uh, the chiefs lose. uh, But I think either way, the fans win, we get to see the two, two of the best quarterbacks right now in the game play. Um, and it's it should be fireworks, you know. A, we should see, you know, two teams lighting each other up uh, for a lot of points and a lot of good memories coming uh, from Monday night. Chris, what's your game? Is it the Colts? No, it's not the Colts. I'll go Homer eventually. But, like, they're playing the freaking Jets this
0: weekend. So, like, that's not – I'm going to watch because I'm a fan. But, like, I'm not going to like watching it. Like, I'm going to feel dirty. I'm going to have to take a shower afterwards. Like, it's not going to look good. There's a lot of insulting ways I can describe what that game is going to be and I'll save it for next week's show when we recap it and hopefully the Colts drop 40 on them. My game this week, I touched on earlier, is going to be Texans at the Steelers. I think the Steelers are off to a really good start and they're playing a really good team now with a really talented quarterback. We need to see if that defense is for real and if Big Ben can get into what is potentially a shootout. But I say potentially because the Steelers' defense is playing well. And the Texans' offense is not rolling in sync right now. So the Texans need to play with desperation um, and a little bit of craziness because they need to avoid 0-3 with everything they have in their bodies. Otherwise, their season is sunk very early. Ryan, is your, uh, is your game the Cowboys? You're going to break from the, the Homer trend that got started here in this segment.
3: Yeah, I mean, y'all are kind of making me want to take the Cowboys game here. I'm looking at it. They played the Seahawks this week. That's uh that's tempting for sure. But I said last week, I'm a Sunday night kind of man. I see the Packers. I see the saints on Monday night. I want to see a rod. I want to see Drew Brees again. Um, I'm going to put some money on this game for sure. I am seriously doubting the saints right now without Michael Thomas. Um, Like seriously doubting, like I'm going to probably put a good amount on this game. I like Packers plus three and a half all day. Um, yeah, let's see these two old guys go at it again. Here we go. Let's do it.
0: Oh, man. All right. I'm going to wrap this up before we get Frank off and rolling again. We can uh, pick the argument back up next week, guys, depending on how the game goes. I can't
1: wait for Gardner to go 15 for 33 and two interceptions, and you guys continue to tell me how good he is. I- I'll it's eat it. I will eat it
0: if that happens. I will always eat my <laughs> mistakes. But until I'm proven wrong, I will stand here stubbornly and literally pound my table with conviction.
1: God, 100% he wins a stupid game for them. <laughs> well, 100%, 100%, he week.
0: wins in stupid ways. That's their entire <laughs> mantra. would going to be sick next week for 200 yards. We don't have to
1: worry next about week. it. Oh, it 200 yards is Ryan Tannehill. Get out of Frank's
0: going to be like, hate watching that game.
2: Like, God, fucking damn it, Gardner. You're going to prove Nick and everyone right. Every time Drew Brees <laughs> throws an interception, Minshew smiles.
3: <laughs> the, only, the only QB that's good in the league, guys, is Patrick Mahomes. It's okay. We all know the only person who is any good is Patrick Mahomes. That's all Frank wants to Apparently,
0: Okay. The richest, Herber, okay. Okay. Her- the richest Anthony Lynn. quarterback. The richest quarterback. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm, br- I'm bringing this back in. We got to get off. We've been at this for a while. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening, as always. Uh, thanks to Nick. We're now on Apple Podcasts, so we have to do the obligatory uh, tagline at the end give us a review, give us five stars, subscribe, leave us a, a comment in the reviews. You guys have any questions you want us to answer next week or any ways you think we can make the show better? Let us know. We do all this, uh, obviously trying to make a fun product for those of you that listen. So let us know how we can get better. We're still on Spotify too. Uh, we're on Twitter at Quad Pod Football. I believe. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Cool. All right, guys, we'll see you next week for our week three review and have fun watching football this week.